Welcome to the Culture of Kindness podcast. Have you wondered about the direction the world is going? Wondered if you and the rest of the world are connecting in a healthy way? I can see it in others, and now I've changed the lens through which I see the world, and to be kind is the only possible result. Because you, you don't have the language of talking, it's kind of almost a language of kindness. In this podcast, we discuss everything from what makes a brilliant leader to where is the world going on our current trajectory and how can we make a culture of kindness and do we actually need to or are we doing all right just as we are? It's roughly 2,000 years since some bloke got nailed to a tree for suggesting that we should all be a little bit nicer to each other. And I fear that over the last 2,000 years we haven't moved on very far from that. Inherently, humans are very badly flawed. And there, there is... I, Nahala Summers, became obsessed about the power of kindness after it was the kindness of a stranger that changed my life. So now I am lucky enough to talk to the most eclectic mix of people, probably on any podcast. Come inside and subscribe. It will open your mind and world up to the best examples of living life wholeheartedly. When you look on the Facebook, even when you look in the comments on BBC, everyone goes, oh, I hate bullies. But then that's like saying, I hate water. You know, bullies have come from somewhere. And what was going tap on my shoulder from somewhere that said, you cannot just do an act of kindness in a day and that be good enough. Thank you so much, Caroline, for coming on a Culture of Kindness podcast. I'm extremely grateful to have you on, um, but also super excited to ask about some of the work that you do and have been doing. Um, maybe you want to kind of give a little bit of a, a summary of, of who you are in kind of a minute, which is difficult, um, <laughs> and, and what makes you happy. Okay, now that's, that's given a privilege to be part of your podcast series. Thank you very much. So I'm Caroline Deal, and I guess um, in my life I have combined my work with my passion for trying to make a difference in people's lives. And um, I guess kindness comes into that. And I ended up in my late twenties working for well, after teaching and working in publishing, I ended up working for a big charity called Community Service Volunteers because I'd got inspired uh, to to work in the voluntary sector. And then that led to setting up a charity called the Media Trust, which I ran for 23 years. Uh, and as part of that, launched a TV channel, which was called the Community Channel. I'm now chairing the Community Channel, but it's been renamed as Together. And I guess I've always been either a trustee or an elected governor or of various organizations as well. And a mum <laughs> of two kids who are now very grown up <laughs> in their late twenties. You've had this very altruistic life um, that is based very much around kindness. You know, as I look at the things that you've um, achieved and that you are achieving, and so much of that was dedicated to Media Trust. How did Media Trust come about? I mean, you spent 20 three years you founded it um how, how did it start i guess it started when i was working at community service volunteers actually i'd gone there to be their european fundraiser and part of my job was to raise millions actually from brussels 
uh, European money to support a whole network of social action broadcasting projects that CSC was running. And I ended up being asked to be the managing director of that network by CSC. So I was working for about, I don't know, three years probably in amazing broadcasting projects all around the country with TV and ITV stations and local radio stations, connecting the broadcasting staff with charities and community groups so that they could do social action broadcasting. And that opened my eyes to this incredible world of charities and community groups and voluntary organizations all over the country. I never realized quite how many organizations there were across the UK. Every level of our society, often tiny little groups that having a real impact. But I also realized that the journalists who I was working with and the producers and the directors didn't have a clue about this society either. None of us knew that it was all out there. So I said to my boss at CSE, hey, I've got this great idea for a project. We could connect with media and the charity sector. We can offer them training. We can get the media industry to volunteer their skills. We can get the stories from the charities into the media. And it would just be an amazing project. I'm sure we could get it really easily funded. I got so excited about it. But she poo-pooed it. She didn't want to do it. I just wanted to focus on the main work of CSC, which I guess I could understand in hindsight. And it niggled away at me until I was on my second media, uh, my second maternity leave with my second son, Isaac. And I had a kind of complicated story, but I had a bit of a falling out during my maternity leave with my boss. So I uh, basically thought, right, time has come to set up a new organization. And one of my mentors, Joe Simpson, was able to raise a £40,000 grant from the Telephone Trust and we jumped in and, and launched the Media Trust. And that just then, with, with this initial idea that I had pitched to my boss but who didn't want it, of connecting the two worlds of the voluntary sector and the media industry. And this was in the days, this was 93, so in the days before um, there was any internet. In fact, I remember one of the first things we did at Media Trust was run some seminars that were called Telephone and Broadcasting. And it was all about what was becoming the internet because it was going down a telephone. It's quite amusing, really. So we were talking about all these innovative projects that were happening in digital. But there were, you know, nobody used the word digital and nobody really used the word internet. Um, and so that, anyway, yeah, that was the start of the Media Trust. But, I mean, the Media Trust is an extraordinary um, organisation. Um, I've been using it for Sunshine People and uh, and for Transdome volunteers, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. And just for a summary for somebody who doesn't uh, or hasn't come across Media Trust, what, how would you kind of describe Media Trust to somebody? It's an organisation that connects the voluntary sector and the, the media industry, now we call it really the creative industries actually, which is probably made, and they change the name of the trust, um, so that it's win-win for both sectors. And it provides support to give a voice to people who don't get either a voice at all or who get misrepresented in the media. Uh, it provides training, mentoring, film production, storytelling work, seminars about how to get your voice into various different kinds of media, how to have a digital media strategy. There's a lot of work now with uh, charity beneficiaries. So we started off very much in training charity staff 
PRs and people like that. And I'm always getting the media industry to provide that training. Um, but more and more we started working with beneficiaries because I guess I believe very, very strongly and really championed this in the monetary sector that charities should be using the very people that supporting or trying to support to be the voice of their organization mm-hmm. so that they are it's, it then becomes win-win because those people can talk about the need for the work of their charity. They can talk about the social impact of the work of the charity on their own lives and communities. Um, and they, they can also gain the skills and the confidence of being able to use the media and speak out and have their story heard and listened to them. So basically, the media trust, John Snow, who was our chairman for a long time, used to call it the dating agency because <laughs> at, its, at its core, what we are doing is matching up incredible, incredible media and communication skills, resources, platforms with incredible stories and voices that come out of the charity sector. Yeah, is that clear absolutely. enough? Yeah, no, it's super, and I and I'm sure that all the listeners will have got the idea and be jumping on board with it because well. They should go to the, 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 the I'll do a little promotion. It's mediatrust.org, www.mediatrust.org. And you can go there and get amazing communication support. Or if you are listening to this and you are you have media skills, whatever sector you work in, or communication skills or digital skills, you can volunteer your time, which is an act of kindness, of course. It is, absolutely. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say, you know, volunteering yeah. and giving up our time to things that um, become things that matter to us. You know, people get in touch with me because they believe that kindness matters, which is obviously what Sunshine People is about. And um, and so it connects us and, and it makes them feel better. Um, and so yeah. it's kind of a win-win, really. It is win-win. And, and I remember... Uh, the, the volunteering sector always used to, well, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to do this big campaign to say that you know, people don't volunteer unless they're asked. And that always mm. stuck in my mind, actually. And so very much, media trust is very much about asking busy people who are often you know, busy freelancing or busy in paid work with these incredible creative and communication skills to give up their time um, wow. either to, to, to volunteer and they love it. They love it. And they get so inspired because often in their day job, they're, you know, they're doing advertising campaigns for cars or washing powders or, or they're working for a media company whose values they don't respect or whatever. And actually they get engaged in volunteering with a charity or a group of young Muslim kids or a group of refugees and migrants, whoever it might be. And they give them the voice and they see the change happen in those lives, the confidence they can give them, the skills, and maybe even the you know, path leading to work. And they just feel so fulfilled. And it is, it is, you know, you're so right to use the word kindness. It is their kindness to people who are giving up their time. But I think, I think uh, yes, yeah, their kindness that, that makes it a win-win for everybody. But it's interesting, the volunteering thing, because actually, at Media Trust, we used to encourage people in the communications industry to volunteer, still do, as Media Trust still does, by tapping into that, you know, that motivation, altruism and things. But we would, about the, the sort of win-win nature of giving, which is, it makes you feel good. Yeah. It makes other people feel good. 
Um, but it also, in the case of volunteering, it can enhance your own skills yeah. as well. Yeah. So there is a kind of, there's a selfishness in, in volunteering and in, you know, and in founding charities as well. I guess there's, you know, isn't that, I think people's motivations are always so complex. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's an interesting thing, um, the statistics currently say in, well, when it was done in last in 2017 around kindness and these kind of altruistic acts, that we are donating less money, but we are giving more of our time to people, which is a comforting thought to know, really, because it connects us and it keeps us together in so many ways as a society if we can continue to support each other. I think media trust is encompasses everything about that, really. Um, I, that's, I think that's so true. I saw those statistics the other day as well, funnily enough. Um, and I think the other thing is that giving time often will then inspire giving money as well. You get involved in the volunteer and something, and then actually you want to do more. But it's funny that you use the word together because that's the name of the, of the is now the new name of the TV channel that I set up when I was at Media Trust, which is. Um, and, and which we used to call the community channel because for various complicated reasons we had to do that to persuade the BBC and others to donate bandwidth. But it's now called Together. And that's, that's very much, you know, it's got all sorts of content on it, but it is a channel about kindness actually. It's a channel that, you know, inspires people to get involved in projects with other people, to make little changes in their lives, communities. And we talk very much about the little changes, the, the little kindnesses that, that uh, are so important in life. So some of the films and the stories that we tell are about, you know, just helping out somebody or doing a little bit of gardening or making a tiny little change in the way that you use plastic or the food you yeah. eat. And those small changes can, can create a sort of butterfly effect across the world. Yeah, yes, absolutely. We talk about that ripples. Yeah. How you know you've been in media for so many years. How how have you seen that change and develop and and how it's utilised as well the messages that that it's giving out. I think um, it's been really it's been really interesting changes. Uh, when I first started off in sort of charity and social action broadcasting, there were the regulation of media was very uh, strict and and the TV channels and the radio stations had to do a lot of what they call social action broadcasting at peak time. They had to tell charity stories and help people get benefits and help people get help. Um, and these, these were half-hour programs that would go out across the nation um, at you know, 6.30 in the evening and 7 o'clock in the evening and all the radio stations. So that's gone. Um, and it's quite difficult to get positive voices into media if you're working as a charity in mainstream or in the newspapers or whatever. Having said that, and we'll come on to digital in a minute, having said that on the main in the mainstream media, I think like many purpose driven corporates, the media industry is realizing that if they can do big social action engagement things like Pride of Britain or uh, some of the big campaigns that Channel 4 does around mental health. Uh, it creates a sense of loyalty with their viewers and readers. And so uh, what we find is there are less opportunities for drip, drip, drip stories, uh, but there are bigger opportunities if you can be involved in them for 
really exciting big campaigns uh, that that make a big difference. And obviously, the, the you know the huge difference now in in the way that we can communicate issues around kindness or well-being or, or social action is through digital. So I know that Media Trust is doing a lot of work at the moment around trying to in, train charities to use digital more effectively, but that, that importance of getting out there, having your stories out there, being found easily by people who are looking for interesting projects um, is, is absolutely key. And yeah. there's quite a steep learning curve, I think, for many of the sort of hundreds of thousands across the UK. So that, that, that's something that's really, really important. The other exciting difference, which um, we're exploring quite how, what we're doing with this around to get with Together, the TV channel that I run, but also for my social founder network, I'm doing a lot. The other exciting difference is that it's very easy now to connect globally, um, to be found, to be seen, to be heard, to, to connect with other organizations with the same as you, so that you can much more easily create global campaigns around disability or environment or whatever it might be. And that might be a tiny little cause, like very rare uh, disease or something. I benefited from that, those global connections, actually. My family did because my son needed a bone marrow transplant when he was very little. And uh, an amazing social founder called Shirley Nolan had set up a charity called the Anthony Nolan charity uh, to help parents and, and doctors and the medical find people who are a good match for bone marrow transplant. But interestingly, almost before the internet, they connected with similar databases all around the world so that if you needed to find a match in one country, you could connect around the world and find that you know, exact match from another country. And we were able to find, through Anthony Nolan, we were able to find a match uh, for my son, from wow. a guy living in Austria, you know. So, so I think the for, for communications and media, from the perspective of social action and charities and social impact, that making those global connections is really powerful. Yeah. And I've been, you know, really, really excited by it with the new Social Founder Network, which is connecting founders of charities and social enterprises around the world, just to create common calls. Is really really exciting and fine. Yeah. You know. So I think I think I think it's become a very small planet. Um, um, on the one hand, people are doing more and more social action, more acts of kindness in their very grassroots local communities. But yeah. at the same time, we are making those connections around the world and uh, realizing that actually, whatever language we speak, wherever we wherever we come from, whether we live in a rural community or an urban community, whether we're old or young, there are enormous connections between us all and points of interest. So I think I think um, something interesting for you to look at with your your Sunshine project and the kindness yeah. project is is the, the points of connection yeah. for kindness and connecting yeah. kindness is a really nice idea. Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because when we look at our news, if, if you watch the news all the time, every day, mm. you would imagine that 
you know, if you were an alien and you came and watched the news, you'd think, God, this is an awful, awful place to live. Everybody's arguing, there's terrible things happening in the world. But actually, as you say, when you start to look at, if we go to our social media and if we go to, you know, the social causes and we build into other, you start to look into other networks and there's this extraordinary group of people doing extraordinary things, much more than the Sunshine people, like much bigger than that and and putting some great things into the world. Um, and I'm guessing that you yeah. see those within your within the stuff that you do um, as a social founder network and, and your social enterprise. Um, the TV channel together. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Right. You know, we still haven't cracked the dilemma. Those of us are trying to tell the positive news stories. We have not cracked the dilemma that the commercial and the BBC, you know, the, the big boys in the news industry, news, they drive news through bad news rather than good news on the whole. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of, I'm always optimistic. <laughs> um, one thing that one of my wonderful colleagues at Media Trust uh, was, uh, taught me so much about the sort of glass half full, glass half empty um, attitude to always, always look at the glass half full. And uh, that's Katie Lloyd, who's particularly made me positive person. And I, and I, I am optimistic that the things like the work that the BBC is doing with David Attenborough around plastics or Sky, also Sky News doing amazing work around uh, plastics and environment, I think. And, you know, if, if enough people, and often that's young people, but, but mixed generations, if enough people can create a movement, can create cam- a campaign around something, then the, the mainstream news and the mainstream media will respond to that need for positive solutions and start talking about them. Mm. But, you know, and that, that, that's, you know, you think of that young girl, Greta. Yeah. And, you know, I love the way that the, the environmental movement at the moment, the plastic movement is, and climate change is being led on the one hand by a 15-year-old, I think she might be 16 by now, but, and on the other hand, on the other level by a 93-year-old, you know, David Attenborough speaking at Glastonbury, you know, on the stage. He had, he had the, the body and the energy and the inspiration of a 15-year-old who's jumping around that stage. Yeah. Cool. So, Absolutely. So I am glass half full on this, and and I think it's. I what I don't like is a, is a blame culture to the media. I think it's up to us as as those of us mm-hmm. working in the social sector, the social impact sector, as I increasingly call it, the third sector, the voluntary sector, the charity sector. It's up to us to inspire and galvanise and enable and uh, change. I think yeah. another interesting thing that's happening actually in the media industry is sort of w- once again is a sort of burgeoning of uh, small media platforms that are being set up. Sometimes, I mean, mainly probably through digital, but actually also through uh, newspapers, print newspapers. Our local, our local community has a print newspaper uh, that's all about community issues. It was in Hackney, East mm-hmm. London. Uh, and, and community TV stations, community radio stations. So, um, and although they struggle to survive and struggle to raise money, 
what's happening now is that this movement of crowdfunding and um, community ownership and things like that is starting to fill a gap in in funding and financial support for community newspapers and community media stations and digital platforms. So I, I think that um, I'm, I'm very optimistic that that yeah. will change as well. In fact, I've, I'm absolutely thrilled I've just been awarded a, a Churchill Fellowship. Churchill <gasps> Memorial. Really, really yes, exciting. I've seen that. I've to seen go. that because as, as, I'm applying for grants at the moment and I saw mm-hmm. the Churchill Fellowship. Yes, tell me about it. So, well, 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 basically, it's, it's, not, it's not a uh, lot of money, but basically it'll, it'll enable me to spend three weeks in the States and three weeks in India researching innovative ways of funding and new forms of ownership as well of community media and social impact media because in the states there's a very big tradition of of uh public service broadcasting completely different to here it's not sort of it's not really supported by the state uh, but that they are starting to look at uh, much more than we are here at ways of crowdfunding of community ownership uh and, and of engaging re-engaging trusts and foundations in supporting uh, yeah. media and voice and campaigns. Yeah. And there's been there's been some you know there's been quite a lot of new relatively new foundations that have been set up specifically to fund media projects. Yeah. Or, and and also some interesting academic research as well going on around you know the power and the impact of community media. And yeah. by community media that that, that could be if I'm calling it social impact media, that could be, again, very grassroots um, media projects or global media projects that connect people. Yeah. There's something um, interesting because we've always been, the media has always kind of followed the rule that the more scandalous it is, the more we will read it, watch it, click on it. Um, and we do, humans do that. That's that's what they do. They look for what's going to be dangerous to us. Yes, I want to hear about the bad things that happen because I need to be on guard. There's something in the brain that makes us do it. But I think also, you know, there will be a shift and it's starting to happen. You know, you and you highlighted it so well on the plastic story. You know, enough people started to go, no, this is a concern. I want to be reading about this. Um, and so it started a movement through a, you know, a 15, a, she, I think she's probably 14 at the time, girl who sat outside and, and made um, and made something happen all through digital, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's astonishing. If you really believe in something enough, you can make the difference now. You can start to make a wave of, um, a wave of change. And it, that is, as you say, an optimistic view that we can take on board. Yeah, I love that. I agree with you. I agree with you. And um, and I think you know, sometimes for for those of us that you know, like me, I'm kind of you know, fifty, well over fifty. Um, <laughs> I think some of the younger generation have no idea that it was such a short time ago in this country, in the UK, where you know it was, you know. Illegal to practice homosexuality. It was like, mm. you know, that, so that whole movement, for example, around gay, lesbian, trans rights, which is still yeah. very much needed, still growing, still burgeoning. 
but that you know that has changed our society so much and so much for the better. Yeah. Um, whereas you know I'm working very closely with one of my amazing social founders part of part of the network is uh, Rosanna Saner Caldera, who runs an incredible organisation called Equal Ground in Sri Lanka, where where it is still illegal to practice homosexuality. It's, mm. it's, it, it, it's, and that's, you know, Sri Lanka is a country that's huge, 20 million people living there. Um, so, so I, I, you know, these campaigns still need to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, that, that takes us into, we are being kinder to each other by not tolerating unkindness in that situation, right. you know, being yeah. more accepting of others and saying, no, we're not going to tolerate this. You know, I go into schools and do kindness workshops and there's this huge, we will, we accept everybody and much more than when um, I was, uh, when I was younger, you know, there's a, we don't tolerate this. Um, and of course, I'm, I'm not saying that bullying doesn't, um, doesn't go on. But there's this kind of awareness of LGBTQ plus um, and and an education around that and saying you you and and even by having a conversation about that you're then saying we have to accept everybody for who they are and and not judge people and and I think that is encouraging for the way that we continue to um, continue to drive really as a yeah, society yeah. that's how I feel about it yeah. I remember um, one of the most influential books when I was a kid really young kid was To Kill a Mockingbird I don't know if it's, if it's still read in school but that whole thing of you know, being able to see things the sound inside someone else's shoes and see things from their perspective mm-hmm. is so important yeah, do, you think absolutely. do you think there's a gap uh, at the moment in sort of value teaching because I, I think there is and mm-hmm. I'm I don't know what the solution is, um, I, but I think there's uh, very little, I think because in the, the positive side of, of, of faith, and the, there's lots of negative sides of faith in my opinion, but there's lots of positive sides as well and values, but there's very little faith teaching around, mm-hmm. and, and some of what there is is not so good. There's um, very little time left anymore in the school curriculum even in the primary school curriculum between values and um, morality and kindness and things like that because so much pressure even from you know the age of five upwards to pass the tests and be you know good enough in maths and English and things like that let alone in secondary school and then there's very little time left in families as well because we're all having to work so hard and, you know, we're all loving, consuming media and social media all, all the time. Yeah. So there's less time given to conversation and values. Not that I want to hop back to some age where things have actually moved on to the better rather than the worse, but mm. I think there's a gap there. Um, yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what the solution is. Um, maybe the solution is the, you know, these movements and voluntary organisations and things like that, but I, I don't know. I was wondering what you think. Yeah, there is a huge gap. There's a huge gap from not only on a kindness level, but doing a um, doing work with young people around what are your own personal values. 
So they aren't coming out of school with an understanding of themselves. Mm. And and I think within our education system, we owe it to um, our young people to give them that opportunity to make them more self-aware, to work on their emotional intelligence. Right. We we worry about uh, two plus two, and we have a curriculum that's very much based on information. But a lot of information they can now gain. <laughs> you know, we used to. So I talk about the library story. When I was younger, I needed to do a project, and I'd walk up to the library, mm-hmm. and I would ask the librarian what book would I need, and I and I went to encyclopedias, and I wrote down things, and I and I wrote about the project, and I and I'd interact with people um, throughout that conversation. You know, I'd go past somebody that was a neighbour and say hello to them, and on the way back, and and so that was that was part of the day to day that we we had as I grew up of course now they don't need to you don't need to do that you can stay in your room and you can look on your computer and you can find all that information with no interaction at all Mm. now it doesn't mean that that person isn't going to interact any point in their life and, and, and I fully appreciate that but it was so um ingrained within my way of life we didn't even think about it so my social skills were not thought about because they naturally happened. They used to help people on the street. There wasn't so much to do. I was very much sent out to play for the day. Um, and we had very few material things. Now we are um, commercially driven. So we buy a lot more things. We buy more toys. We are more materialistic and have yeah. been. And I think that's probably dying down a little bit. Um, but it went through this kind of stage of, you know, and I think there's still a lot of it out there, but more um, around how much do I have and the latest thing and the PlayStation. There's new things all the time coming out that you can entertain yourself with. And those things are not always things that you do together with somebody. There's something that you do on your own. You know, we yeah, carry around an object yeah. that is yeah. that is on our own. Um, so I um, think... Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, within our education system, we need to start, you know, I've, I've been doing the podcast, I've, I've interviewed 30 people, and I've nearly finished the book now. And, and one wow. of the things that I have found from it is everyone is talking about the same things. The CEOs are talking about the same things. They're saying, I will be actively looking for kindness in people, because we have a world that's turned to technology. And that's not a skill anymore. That's just expected. That's what people can do without even thinking about it, our young people. But what they're not able to do is pick up the phone and have a conversation with somebody. They yeah. struggle to be interactive with other people because they've been brought up in a world of technology. And that's, there's a generalization when I say that. But, um, you know, social anxiety is not um, on the increase for no reason. Mm. Not the increase because we are not socially interacting like we used to, which was just a natural way of life. We just did it all the time. You didn't yeah. even you didn't need to learn it or consider it or think about it. And now we really need, we need to consider. To re- we need yeah. to reset how we are uh, engaging people in in the community as well. Because yeah. for for you know for a few decades we relied on government grants to set. You know, to run community clubs, youth clubs, 
club for you know, lunch clubs for the elderly, all that sort of thing. And then, you know, w- with change of government and the kind of interpretation of, of his austerity and all that sort of thing, that was, you know, largely cut. There was huge, huge cuts in youth clubs uh, across the UK in in support for the elderly across the UK. So people are seriously lonely, isolated, not connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and or they're you know hanging around the streets if there's a younger people not you know there was nowhere to go because the streets aren't safe anymore et cetera et cetera so I think another solution that we need to come up with is how can we enable people to reconnect face to face like you were saying you know libraries are being shut down uh, yeah. uh, as as you were saying as well that fantastic resource so as a as a as a sector, the third sector, maybe and local authorities, maybe we can come together to find a way to reinvest in getting people to come together. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And then and there's, yeah. there's even a way about using the technology to do that as well, because technology isn't going to go away. It's not going to mm-hmm. change, and it's um, fantastic. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, as as you say, you know, we're connecting and telling more stories than ever before and yep. stories is really if you take it back to the ancient times stories is what it was all always all about you know the way that we communicate and the way we make social changes through stories yeah but um you know we are as you say getting there are there's more loneliness now and we we do need to kind of try and find a way to get more of that stop that from building any more yeah. than it already has really well i think i sometimes wonder that, you know that we're not telling you know we were talking in the beginning of this podcast about how the media doesn't tell enough positive stories i sometimes think that there are not enough positive stories told about social media because i have seen in my in my travels i've been traveling a lot globally with the social Thunder network i have seen for example facebook being used amazingly positively to connect yeah. people uh of, of with similar interests to connect families across the world, to be used for business, that so that you know grassroots communities can start selling their products. Uh, it's through it, social enterprises. I mean, I have got so many stories of Facebook being used as a very, very positive way of connecting and breaking down isolation. Um, I think um, that I'm amazed that some of those big companies like Facebook don't tell a more positive story about the, the impact of good impact of what they're doing uh, and I it's, think it's, it's you know, the kind the kindness movement if it takes it's, off your your will be spread by social media it yeah. can be spread by social media so yeah. again you're thinking you know maybe maybe as we come to the end of the podcast thinking positively about the future yeah. as half full perhaps you know the combination of those kindness values that you're pushing and mm-hmm. social media might be the future yeah there's you know for me i so i have a, the page for the sunshine people and i have a group uh, a private group that people come in and i just go in and share kindness stories because for me i'm all about it the algorithm and the algorithm matters you know when you've liked mm-hmm. something when you've opened something whatever it is and it could be a new story and and then you get more of that news story. So you click on something about Trump and then you get lots of fascist 
stories and not very nice things because it it recognizes what's going on and and so for me it's about getting people into kindness stories and generating that so the reason why i believe that social media is so important in that regard is because they it does have the power to keep people going and you just get more positive things you get more positive stories as soon as you start to like that sort of thing um and i'm yeah a big believer in that huge believer i'll really look forward to following your your movement that you're starting now that sounds amazing and um, all the very best with it yeah i i feel really sad because we've I, I know that you've uh, we've gone way over time, um, and I feel like we could probably make this into an hour podcast quite easily. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no! I think, I think um, uh, we should stop here. You probably yeah. edit loads out of it. So, <laughs> yeah. thank um, you very much for giving me the opportunity. Um, no uh, worries. Can I uh, just ask you one more question? Because yeah, I always ask it at the end of the podcast. Um, I want to ask, what does a culture of kindness? mean to you and why do you think it's important okay so what it means to me is that split second of stopping to think about the impact that you're having on someone's life on the planet before you take an action so before you say something that could really hurt somebody or before you do something that could damage the planet and you could be tiny little things so the choice of a word that you're using or the choice of an expression on your face or the choice of a bit of a food that you pick up off the shelf and the different packaging that it has in it it's stopping to think can i is this is this is this something that will make a positive difference am i am i am i hurting somebody or the planet or something by taking this action so it's kind of drilling into into people to stop and think before they do something and then uh and and thinking about those tiny little actions that will make someone's life better as well the personal thing somebody once uh said to me or i read somewhere about the effect of smiling at people in the street yeah. or at the bus driver when you get on the bus and i and i i don't always remember to do it but i often do do that i just smile and it's amazing how people's faces light up because there's an automatic reaction to smile back so i think you know something as little as that can make a difference to people's days because somebody just smiled at them or said hello nicely to them or thought about how shitty it might be to drive a bus for 10 hours a day through london and actually i know everyone's always really rude to you and horrible to you so actually one little tiny word of kindness to the bus driver might make a difference Thank you so much, Caroline. It's been an absolute honour. I know that I could have spoken to you for, for forever more um, about all the stuff that you do and the social um, founder network and stuff. Um, I wish you well and, and thank you for everything that you do. And you too. We look forward to, to doing more together as well, Nella. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Whether you're a CEO or department manager, you can build a more productive, profitable and engaged workforce through adopting the theory laid out in my latest book available on Amazon, aptly also named A Culture of Kindness. It will guide you on how to be the type of leader that every employee remembers for all the right reasons. You can also subscribe to the monthly newsletter 
at www.nahalasummers.com to hear more about the latest talks, courses and upcoming podcast episodes. Thank you.